You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. So long, the process, and then all of a sudden it's here, and now I kind of want more time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody, we're talking with uh, Kate Brody. And this is Ken Vellante with uh, Something Rather Than Nothing. Uh, Really exciting that uh, Kate has a book uh, coming out January 2nd, 2024, called Rabbit Hole. And uh, Kate, you know, just kind of bumping into this right here. Uh, We're recording in uh in december this 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 episode is going to pop out uh with the book but what's 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 it like for you right now you know having put so much effort into this uh this 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 wonderful book and uh so so what's it like now you know tour coming up uh, anxiety uh you know waiting uh what what's going on now for you yeah it's publishing is so interesting because it takes ages. So this book, I started it five years ago and I wrote the first draft in maybe a year. Then I edited it for a couple of years, but I've been kind of done, done with it for almost two years. Like I really haven't revisited it. Um, The copy's been locked for the most part. So the last week or two, I've been getting back into the book to find some excerpts for readings and things. And um, I'm a little estranged from it. Like it's been a while. So I'm coming back at it with, with fresh eyes. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a weird thing because now, I mean, it's, it feels, I guess, to everyone else, like the beginning of the book's life, but it kind of feels to me like the end. So it's a bit of a grief process, I think. I mean, I'm happy to be moving on. I have another project that I'm working on, but um, yeah, the way that it plays out, kind of the moment it enters the public sphere, you're done with it. So it's um, bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting psychological piece. You know, I've talked to authors and uh, there's always these kind of weird uh, ideas or use of language. You know, I've had a couple episodes where uh, authors talking about a character who won't behave the right way. And like, you know, and I, as a philosopher, it's just, uh, just a mind blowing, you know, the entity unto itself, the, the thing that you created unto itself. And it sounds like you feel you, you kind of lose control of it now. Like it's, 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 it's going to be out there. Well, tell me one, one other thing though. What's it, what's it like having, um, you know, it's been a long process, you know, five years. And uh, what, what was it like having the, the physical copy in, in, in your hand and being like, this is the this is the thingy here? Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, this is uh, when I I think I, I kind of am coming back to the child version of myself in some ways. Like this is what I wanted to do when I was very young was write a book when I was seven or eight or nine. And then I moved away from that. It seemed so impractical for so long. And I that I didn't go to school thinking I'm going to be a writer. And um, I, I didn't come back to that until my 20s, really. So this um, feels like a big victory for like the seven-year-old version of me. I mean, just holding the book is very cool. Um, I have two kids, one of whom is just starting to read. And his first name is my last name. So his first name is Brody and he can read 
that his name is on the cover. So he knows something about it is special. Wow. Um, and that's been kind of cool too. <laughs> wow, that's that's absolutely incredible. Like that 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 connection and um and and you know the the book being there. Um Okay, so I've I've I I uh, I admitted to you um, that I read uh, half the book, which puts me in a very precarious uh, place. And uh, obviously, the book coming out, uh, you know, uh, with with the release uh, January second here, um, it's uh, I I adore the the genre. Like there was something like I didn't know, like I didn't know exactly, but with um the the thriller the crime um the characters uh with that you have are just so they're just so uh intriguing like um the the characters that show up people who shouldn't be there or were there and this whole mystery behind it um it, you know and it's called it's called it's called rabbit hole one of the things i i wanted to mention um uh, was you know your use of um, it was your use of tech in reference to Reddit and has this technology uh, feel to it, and it's I, I feel like for an author it's always like maybe difficult and like how do you do that and how do you capture the technology of the time, and um, I don't use Reddit a lot like I have people reference it to me a lot and I, part of the reason I use it is because. I feel I'll go down the rabbit hole and some of the things that are in my, in my head. Yeah. So I, I, I proceed with caution, but just with the background that there's a mystery that we have this idea, which has become very prominent of folks out there related to true crime, whether it's podcast or Reddit and like diving into the phenomena of trying to, to solve what happens. What was it like for you managing that component where you're kind of using, you know, Reddit and technology and not trying to be cute? I mean, it's right there. It's embedded. What was that like doing with with this novel and, and how, how did that work for you? Yeah, that was a, it was tricky to get it right. I mean, I think I was really wary about um, the voice sounding off. That was the, the key kind of craft piece, I think, was voice. You know, when you log on to Reddit, there's no images. Um, it's entirely text-based. And there's so much vernacular that's specific, not just to the internet, but to that site. And all of the users sound the same in some ways, but they also have their, their own kind of distinct mannerisms. Um, so that was, I think, the, the work for me was making sure it didn't sound... I didn't want it to sound like a caricature of the internet. I wanted it to sound real and authentic, but also, um, get at, you know, some of the more terrifying parts of these communities. The, the premise of the book, right. Is Teddy, um, stumbles upon these online communities where people are discussing her sister's disappearance. Um, and these exist, these forums where people just speculate about crimes that have happened and they don't read particularly sinister. I think like a lot of our, a lot of the true crime that's kind of in the mainstream right now, it's all very sanitized and it feels very consumable. Um, but there are real people on the other side of it. So the, it was kind of like, well, what would it be like to encounter these threads as the subject of these threads? Like to be 
the subject of all of this speculation and attention, which I think is such, um, I find that to be so scary and unpleasant. I mean, I think that's also why I write fiction, like the idea of people of talking about myself or making myself the subject in any way is yeah. really um, upsetting to me. So the idea that they have sort of turned Teddy into this character, turned her family members into these characters and um, are kind of m- moving them around for their own uh, entertainment. Um, and that, that was something I did spend a little bit of time in like Reddit subreddits that have to do with true crime um, and other Reddits. I mean, I, I ended yeah. up kind of earnestly spending a lot of time on Reddit because it is kind of addictive. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. had started being like, oh, I'm not going to like this at all. And then they feed you exactly what you want. You know, you like dogs, here's dog stuff. You like writing, here's writing stuff. Exactly, um, yeah. And it's very easy to find your people for better or worse and kind of just um, continue to exist in these echo chambers of, of your own thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, there's something about the, the text-based piece of it. You know, I'm, I kind of, I'm old enough where, you know, home computers kind of came in. And so for me, I have a, a, a deeper connection to it. It's almost like text-based adventure, text-based chat. Like it's basic mm-hmm. in that. And so I have a, just, I just have a strong connection to it. Uh, Kate, you've done a lot of creating, um, create a, a lot of things and, and this being um uh your this debut uh book with um quotes uh, demonstrating much aplomb and reception uh, uh to it when did you see yourself as an artist as as a creator i heard you say the seven-year-old uh, me and the book but I, I wanted to ask you the question when did you see yourself as as an artist yeah that's i think um, definitely when I was a kid, I, I did a lot of creative writing. I was a big reader, like most writers. I think when you talk to them, they were big, big readers as kids. Yeah. Um, I don't think for most of my life, I don't think I saw myself as an artist. I definitely saw myself as a writer, but it was more, um, technical. It was like, okay, give me anything and I can write it. Give me any essay or any, um, like when my friends were applying to law school and med school, I, wrote all their essays for them. Like I was that person who could just make anything sound good. Um, And I like, I still like that part of it. I still like making a sentence sound really perfect. I like the music of it. So I think that was kind of how I came to it first. Um, And then uh, I took a creative writing class in college. At the time I thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, and it was supposed to be kind of my blow off for fun class because I knew I had loved that as a kid. <laughs> That's the setup. <laughs> that is. I'm always. I'm still very close with that professor, and I'm like, you ruined my life. <laughs> uh, people are dead. <laughs> um, but yeah. So then, um, then I I just went all in. I loved it. I went straight to grad school at NYU, and um, I still don't think I thought of myself as an artist for a long time maybe until very recently. Um, it just felt too grand, but I do think of myself as somebody who loves art. And so that's something I'm chasing. And yeah, I, I think the, the art of language is really 
That's what I love. I mean, it's stories too, but the, the way in for me, I think, was sentences and, and getting the words exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's great. What about, you know, this is, a, this is an author question, but you're saying you've done a ton of reading. I was, I was, I was the same. I was the same. I am the same way. I, I mean, I was the same way. Um, what, um, what, what, what authors really do it for you that say, shit, I want to like, I want to write because like, I just saw somebody create something that's so magical. I don't know what to do with it. Like what, what kind of authors yeah. for you were, were pushed it that way? When I was a kid, um, I, I was such a dorky kid. I used to write like a lot of fan mail to the, to the writers. Yes, writer. yes. I get, so. I understand everything you're talking about. Don't worry, roll yeah. into it. It's good. <laughs> Sharon Creech was a big one for me. I loved Sharon Creech. I wrote her a letter. She wrote me back. It was like my most prized possession was yeah. a letter. Cause I remember she said, you know, you sound like you might be a writer someday. And I was like, damn, yeah, oh, that, that's, that's right. all you need to hear. That'll get you, you can get 10 years out of that. You need yep. you need like one person every decade to say that to you to eventually hey. become a writer. <laughs> hey, there you go, like one a decade. I'm sure when the book comes out, there's gonna be more than one. But no, that's that's that that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, and she she you know wrote to you and kind of yeah she yeah. was, and then I got into a lot. Um, I I hadn't I wrote a book before this book that kind of went nowhere. Um, when I was in my MFA program, and that was not at all a thriller or a crime book. Um, but that also was when I was a kid, I was really big into mysteries and thrillers. I loved, um, Love it. those really pulpy Christopher Pike books. I don't know if you ever read those yep. They're kind of like YA, but those, um, I loved and read them way too young and ended up with a whole slew of phobias, I think just from those books. But, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then in college, like when I really decided this is what I want to do, I, th I think it was, um, Raymond Carver, Mary Gateskill, Alice Monroe, like really great short story writers. Yeah. That's what I yeah. was chasing. And now I see a ton of people. I mean, with this, with um, Rabbit Hole, I'm so tuned in now to who's doing thrillers in a really interesting way. And I think um, B. Sutton wrote Berlin this year, which okay. I think, I think it did pretty well, but I still think it's underappreciated. It's so good. It's um, one of those thrillers that's, it's not really loud. There's not like a big murder. It's just so tense in every paragraph. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Intimacies by Katie Kitamura, which I also really love and think does that really well. The whole book feels like a Hitchcock movie. Like it just feels like there's a score that is, Oh. making everything kind of vibrate. Um, yeah. So Berlin, I love. Um, and then, yeah, there, I, I mostly, I honestly mostly don't read crime fiction. I think I mostly read literary fiction um, and a lot of contemporary literary fiction. I just read um, Jennifer Bell. I don't know her at all. So this isn't like a friend plug, but um, she has a book. Friend plugs are okay, anyway. even if they were. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> but just for credibility, it is really yeah. good. It's um, Swana in Love. It's, it was pitched as like an inverse Lolita. And um, I love Lolita. I just read reread Lolita and then read Swana in Love. And that book is incredible. I think it comes out January 30th. And it is so funny too. I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's... Um, gorgeously written but it's really really funny so that's uh the one i've been recommending all the time lately love that and uh with the lead the lead if you read in a 
uh, Nabokov. Have you read a decent amount of? Yeah, of his a good amount. Um, when I was in, uh, I loved Mary Gateskill, and then I got to study with her at NYU, and she's kind yeah. of um, a scholar, really, of Nabokov. So she really walked us okay. through. Yeah, she's done some of the forewords and um, a lot of writing about his work. So she was a great guide through a lot of, um, you know, short stories and pale fire and things that I hadn't read. And I, uh, I, I, um, the Bakov, I, I mean, is such, such a giant, but I, what I like, what I like about him, um, well, uh, pale fire, I, I, I think is, I, I think is just, an absolutely amazing book. But the thing is with Nabokov uh, that, that threw me off and intrigued me was um, his kind of takedown of Dostoevsky uh, yeah. crime and crime and crime and punishment. And I'm like, I was just shocked, you know, cause when you have these like mass, you know, in literature, we have these books where it's like, fuck, nobody can say anything wrong about this. Like, nobody can say anything's like, you know, like, it's crime and punishment, Stasievsky. And um, just kind of, like, a very careful read, but, um, you know, what he didn't buy in the tension, mm-hmm. what he didn't buy in the salvation story. And it's like, damn, like, <laughs> you know, I like people who uh, pick out the big ones and say, oh, this didn't work for me. So, um, yeah, no, I love that. We need more bitchy uh, writer Bitchy, bitchy, and like long. I, you know, I there's something about the lectures on literature and stuff where you find by him, and it's like, you know, there's so much, there's so much juicy stuff in here from a, uh, from from a giant. Um, okay, uh, what 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 the what the heck is art, Kate? Like, what is it? What is it? Um. I feel like I I knew this was coming. I woke up last night and I felt like I had a great answer. And then I feel like I lost it again. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I I actually am always thinking about this because I think sometimes, especially when you're right now, I'm drafting a new book and it can feel sometimes like the most important thing. Like this is very important what I'm doing. And then other days I sit down and I'm like, this is goofy. Honestly, this is so silly that I'm these are not real people. No one asked me to do this. It's like the work of a child um, to invent these things. And then and then I'm upset about it, too. I'm like, oh, that was a hard day. You know, something bad yeah. happened to this made up person. Um, but I think with writing, anyway, it feels so essential to being human. Like, um, everyone in my family is in medicine. So also I think that contributes to my sense of sometimes that this is goofy work because it's not literally life-saving work. But I, uh, they're also all very big readers. And I think this trying to say something about the human experience or bring you closer to another person's life, I, I just think nothing does it better than fiction. Um, I was listening to actually Barbara Kingsolver on uh, a podcast recently and, and um, the host was saying, oh, you know, it's, it's all about empathy. And she said like, no, it's beyond empathy. It's not empathy. Empathy is like, I see my experience and your experience. She's like, when you're reading, you are in that character's life. Like you are in their head yeah. it's, it's past that. Um, yeah. And I thought that that, that felt right to me that, that it's the only thing that brings you not just into a kind of 
I see me in you, but I am you. I get to touch that for a second. Um, and I think that's true across all art forms. I, um, I like, I love photography. I, with part of my advance, I bought myself this big picture that I love from this artist, um, Lisa Sorghini. And I do think that is similar. Like I think about photography a lot when I'm writing that the way an image can just kind of touch you in a way that is, um, past words, you know, like I used to, um, teach high school. And when I taught the high school kids, they would drive me crazy because they were always like, well, but what is the, what is the point of this story? And I was like, oh, you know, if, if I could tell you it in a sentence, why would there be a story? Like the story is the most concentrated, most distilled version of itself. Like there is no, I cannot get it any smaller than that. The story is the thing. Um, And it's so experiential that I think that, that it feels like it's at the core to me. Yeah, I got the the question, uh, you know, about the role of art because I heard you, you know, it's 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 fascinating to hear about your your family and you know, uh, kind of medical background and what your path was, and you know, you mentioned life saving work, but isn't but it, aren't aren't books life saving work like a lot of the time? Yeah, I mean, I feel that I know, and I know a lot of readers feel that way. You know that this is the stuff that gets you through um it does feel important and um and kind of the you know what's the point of all of this if we're not gonna try to try to say something try to communicate with other people um express something to other people and do it in a new way I think the goal is always what can I say that feels new and fresh and hasn't been said or um, is a different way of looking at it. Like that's what's so thrilling when you find a book that you love is it feels like it both, it both says something that you've been thinking, but also that it shows you something brand new um, somehow at the same time. Yeah. I uh, wanted to tell you something related to the, to the book title in the show, I, um, I had, a I had, um, Sadie Dupuis, uh, singer for Speedy Ortiz and, and, and author and, the uh, the band and she had put out the album called rabbit rabbit, you know, it was related to, uh, at the first of each month, the uh, first day of each month, you say rabbit rabbit and it's good luck. And I hadn't heard of that. So, and then she had released a single, um, and you know, rabbit, rabbit, you know, at the beginning of each month, and it was just so interesting with rabbit hole. Like it was January 2nd, 2024. And I'm like, I had these months and like, of like thinking about that. And now with rabbit hole here, I'm like, that's really cool to be able to connect at least in my head. That's all I do with the show. Like connect in yeah. my head to, um, to this. Uh, so 2024, uh, January 2nd, um, a lot of uh, noticeably conspicuous great quotes about this book is as book as well. Um, uh, where are folks going to be able to, um, to, to see it? What's, what's uh, the, the book and tour? Like what, what are things looking like in that regard? 2024. 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to try that rabbit rabbit thing on the first because rabbit <laughs> rabbit. Some, that's good to know. I've never heard of that. It blew um, my mind, and it made complete sense to me. If first of the month, you say rabbit rabbit. It's good luck at the beginning, and then you go. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, we're we're going to be starting. Um, I live in LA, but we're going to start the tour on the East Coast. So I'll be in. New Canaan, Connecticut on January 4th, and then New York City um, at PNT Knitwear on January 5th, and then New Jersey, where I grew up, um, on the 6th, and then we'll be back here in LA on January 17th, DC in February, and um, awesome. Arizona, I think, in March. So, yeah, it's all. Whereabouts in DC? Whereabouts in um, DC? Politics and prose on politics um, and prose. You made yeah. it. You made it. That's that's the that's the dopest store books. Well, one of them. One of the dopest yeah. bookstores you'll find in DC. Good. Good on you. Uh, in Jersey too. I'm from Rhode Island originally. originally. Oh, nice. I'm uh, yeah. I'm out in, uh, in in Oregon now. So uh, it's it's good to. Uh, it's it's good to good good to hear you from Jersey too. Uh, I I I love Jersey. In case we need to get into a weird kind of conversation, you know. <laughs> talking shit um uh so uh r- really uh, really exciting to hear um to hear about to hear about the tour and and, mm-hmm. and to, to have this out in the world um i wanted to i wanted to ask you the 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 big question i have a couple other questions uh for okay. you but the but the but the big question uh the philosophical question is um why why do you think there's something rather than nothing why why is there something rather than nothing hmm. so why is there something rather than nothing i don't know that i understand nothing right like all i know is something i don't know that nothing is possible um mm-hmm. The book is interested in grief. I think about death a lot. <laughs> so I am sort of interested in nothingness, I guess, as it relates to death. Um, yeah. And I th- think that is also a lot of what motivates making art um, is this idea of doing something, something tangible, something that will eclipse your own nothingness, um, even though that's, I think, probably folly. But uh, why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why there's something rather than nothing. Maybe it's not. We can't have nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I think. No, I heard in I heard in the answer, you know, and the contemplation of death. Uh, classical philosophy says that that's all it is. Uh, Plato says philosophy is just the rumination of death. You can look at Plato's writing about Socrates and it has to do, why does somebody, why does the good man die? Why is he killed by society? Um, There's a lot of death in, in philosophy and it seems like uh, shocking to say, but it is, it's, it's the mortality and, um, um, I've always found it to be such an exciting question related to creativity, right? Because like we are struggling against like existence and non-existence. And um, there's something about the book too. There's something you said about like uh, beyond empathy, 
that that I think is like like kind of like super important. It's almost like the proximity of 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 the reader in the processing into the character. And I agree with you. You can't you can't duplicate that any way. It's why it's such like such a unique form. It's the intimacy. It's the intimacy. Yeah. Um, how do you on, on intimacy? How do you you, you mention this? Uh, the book, maybe a death related to the book, the intimacy that this is yours, the intimacy that this creation is yours, and then it's out uh, in 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 the world. That birth is that scary as shit to you? Uh, yeah, it is now. Uh, now that we're a couple weeks out from publication, um, we have gotten the book into a lot of early readers' hands. So a few hundred people have already read it, um, which takes. I think a little bit of the pressure out of that release date. I've already gotten some early feedback. Um, yeah, it's scary. It's, um, you know, you feel protective of the work. You feel protective of the characters. I also feel like I'm not the same person who wrote this book. This isn't the book I would write now, um, mm. which is an odd thing. And I'm trying yeah. to to still um, do a good job promoting it and, and recognize that like this was the, the work that I was so invested in for years um, because now I am kind of on to the next, you know, I am writing something else and that, that feels more like where I am right now. So yeah. this book, which is, I think a lot about being in your twenties and, um, grieving and, and being sort of stuck between adolescence and adulthood, it doesn't feel as immediately relevant to me as it did when I was writing it. Um, so it's a bit like somebody else wrote it. I, mean, I think maybe that helps a little bit too. I have a little distance from it where I can, um, can let it go. But I think, you know, you get to a place hopefully when you've written enough stuff and thrown some things away where you kind of detach from it once you once you're done um it's not for you anymore like it really is for the readers and um hopefully they like it but i don't know it, people it's odd now because people will seek you out and tell you what they think of it um which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's both ways. <laughs> it's mostly very positive, but, um, but yeah, you know, you just kind of want to be like, well, I wrote it. My part's done. Now is your part. You read it, you have your experience of it, but it doesn't really end there because of um, how intertwined we all are now that you're involved in an ongoing dialogue about the work, which feels a little odd to me. I kind of just want to, you know, it's not my business anymore. <laughs> yeah. How's the West Coast feel to you being from Jersey? It's growing on me. We moved out here like four years ago. Um, I, we, we, my husband and I lived in New York for six years. He's from Queens. So, um, all right. Shout out to Queens. Shout out to Queens. We were living in Queens for a while. Um, and when we moved out here, we were like, oh, this will just be a short little adventure, and then we'll move back to New York. <laughs> but they wear you down. You know, the weather's not nothing, and um, <laughs> it's very easy. Everything's very easy here. So it's, I do uh, miss the East Coast, though. <laughs> nah, nah, it's, it's, it's um, you know, the sensitivity to the to the lands that you are. I, I, I think about this so much, you know, I'm is such a part of me that's such a uh you know 
a city kid from Rhode Island, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that doesn't change in um Oregon's the strangest fucking place in the universe. <laughs> like 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 for me it's like I'm so fascinated by it. Um it's it's good and bad. Uh it's weird. The woods are weird. Um the pockets of people are weird. It's like Twin Peaks land. Uh, I'm far more excitable than anybody I come in contact with with <laughs> spazzy East Coast stuff. They're like, "Whoa, dude! Like, what's up with him?" I enjoy it, and uh, you know, it's 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 good. But it is um, truly different lands out west uh, for me, and um, I adore LA. I'm I, I think you know. I don't know if this happened to you, but being a being a kid out east, LA is on another planet. Like the, the yeah. Hollywood and and, and, and and the beautiful people and, and, and the music and the culture and the sun. And uh, so that never leaves my head. Like when I'm in L.A., I'm like, I don't know, not in a dark way, but like in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> like I'm in like L.A. and this is like wild um wild thing and uh so that's never gone um but i i i think it's fun to get a kick out of a place even though like i truly don't understand it i like i love the vibe and la is so completely different than new york i i i mean i can't compare them like i can't like a lot of people a lot of stuff going on is the main category but um, yeah i'm glad you're very very different i'm glad you yeah I, I feel a little bit too, like, um, I have some friends who are also transplants out here who just really, they love it. They, they were like, they got here and they understood it right away. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily feel that way. And some of my writer friends who LA speaks to them in some way, they can set stories here. They really get it in that way. I don't think I could write about LA. Um, but I also couldn't write about New Jersey where I grew up until I left and now uh, the new thing that I'm working on is set in New Jersey, which always felt kind of like a dead end to me. Like, how could I write about this place? There's nothing going on here. Because I just couldn't see what was weird about it when I was there. Yeah. It was yeah. just, you know, the water that I was swimming in. So, um, yeah, I feel a little bit like, you know, Joyce writing about Ireland and exile now. Everything is about New Jersey that I've finally gotten some distance from it. So, it's yeah. yeah the the place thing is interesting um and la is so so vast i feel like i you know it's been four and a half years i i feel like i really still just got here i don't have a sense of it yet yeah there can be so much to a different type of place i mean i found it like i was thinking about like place i lived in um wisconsin for 12 years uh i i I, I just, I, I love Wisconsin. I love the Midwest. So c- completely distinct in my experience with the East coast and West coast. But I think for me, it's like, I was thinking about what you're saying with settings and like what attracts to you in your own head. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to write a story here, but for me, I've always something, there's something about the Midwest. I always think there's something like in my head about like where I'm coming from picking out like when you're from outside, you can pick out this weird stuff that annoys people like natives and stuff like that, like people to the area. Um, but at the other time, there are these revelations. You'd be like, how is it like, why is it that you do that? And they're like, I thought mm-hmm. everybody did that. And you're like, no, I'm interested because I've never seen anybody do that. And 
I don't know. That, that part's uh, stimulating to me, uh, maybe annoying to the locals. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's good for writing, though, to be able to see, to have an outside. That's I actually, I talked to B. Sutton about Berlin because she has a really fascinating personal history and she has moved all over. She's lived everywhere. She's kind of like a permanent expat. She's just always living in new places. And I think that's also why Berlin is so great and works so well as a thriller because she has such an outsider's perspective on every city that she visits pretty much. You know, she's always there spotting what is strange about this place, what is different about this place, how do I not quite fit here? And that is really rich for writing to be, I, uh, to be on the outside. That's exciting. I, um, for, for me in, 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 in uh in berlin i like the time period i've been most fascinated with like for years and years and years is like the german expressionist movement in deep brook in the 1920s and 30s and like mm. like the political sexual like everything going on in berlin prior to the you know you see the rise of fascism and, and yeah. around that time but there's something so I mean, at least artistically spectacular about the display of what's going on in Berlin at that time. So I think all you had to say was uh, Berlin is the title. And uh, I go back to Berlin stories by Isherwood. And (laughs) (laughs) so uh, exciting uh, grand place. I've never been there, but I, you know, you build it up in your head, right? As, as, as a reader, as somebody, as a historian or, or things like that. Um, uh, Kate, where do people find uh, your writing, your work, uh, your mind, the way that you want them to find you? <laughs> uh, so I have a website that I should probably update more than I do. It's katebrodyauthor.com, and that has um, essays and things. There's going to be a lot of essays coming out around the release of the book, um, as well as some short fiction. And... Um, there are short stories that like the rumpus and things like that. Um, so yeah, all that is on Cape Brody author. And then, um, I am sort of sporadically on Twitter and Instagram also at Cape Brody author. And I try to keep anything coming out on there as well. So that's probably Instagram is probably the best way. Honestly, that's the one I update the most. Awesome. Um, so excited. I'm even excited for your book. You know, we just met, but, uh, 2020, so 2024 and, uh, folks, you'll be hearing this episode on the day of release. We're just kicking it around here, uh, in December, uh, for the holidays. But, uh, yeah, today, uh, January 2nd, 2024 rabbit hole, uh, Kate Brody, I got to tell you something. It's, it's really cool. Um, you know, me doing this podcast, I think it, it's just such an absolute thrill to to come in contact with you, to learn about um, your writing, to get that book in hand. You know, like readers, writers, like having that book, open up that package, getting into it. That shit's thrilling. So I wanted to thank you, uh, you know, for the opportunity and, and just to be able to chat, 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 uh, you know, literature and, and, and philosophy and um Best of luck with this book. Um, any chance, uh, any chance uh, we could get you over to Powell's and Powell's Books in Oregon, or should I work on that? We need to get you over there at the Powell's. I would love that. A, I would love yeah. to come to Powell's. Actually, I think 
I think it's okay to say, because this is not coming out until the book release. Um, yep. But as I understand, it's like a Powell's pick rabbit hole. So it should be oh, pretty shit, front and yeah. center in Powell's. Um, shit, yeah. And yeah, I've never That's been awesome. up to Oregon. So, and we've now we're on the West Coast, so I got to make a trip. Oh, man. Well, yeah, Powell's, um, well, I'm definitely going to dick. Dig in on that um, uh, pit, you know the the date there, um, or you know with the pick of the I don't know, it's pick of the month or something with Powell's. I think uh, so. Yeah, they call it like Powell's pick of the month or something. Yeah, great great <laughs> bookstore. Um, I go there a lot. I try to bring in a box of books to, um, uh, you know, help my habit, help my book habit. Bring <laughs> in the old, bring in the the old supply and you know, look at my partner, Jenny and say, Hey, I have brought two books. I will two bags. I'll be coming out with half a bag. So I've decreased 1.5 bags yeah. in this transaction, but great bookstore, uh, union employees, uh, union employees there. So it's a unionized bookshop. Um, just a hell of a place. And, uh, I will certainly, uh, be taking, uh, maybe with a, New Year's jacket, uh, go over to Kate, uh, to, to Powell's with Kate Brody's book rabbit hole. And we'll have that as a promo <laughs> photo as well. Love Powell's and hope to see you there. Um, Kate, thanks for coming on something rather than nothing. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and I love the show. So just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. And remember everybody rabbit, rabbit, January 1st, rabbit, rabbit, Rabbit hole into the rabbit hole January 2nd. That's your plan for the first two days of January. It's the year of the rabbit. It's the year of the rabbit. Hey, thanks, Kate. And um, best of luck with rabbit hole. It's going to, people going to know about it. Thank you so much. So for this excerpt, I'm going to read... Um, it's about 25 pages into the book. So it's, it's at the beginning of the book. Um, the novel opens with Teddy's father's suicide. And um, this scene is um, Teddy and her mother scattering his ashes after they've had him cremated. We cremate him to get it over with. And on Monday, while it's raining and everyone is at home or at work, we sneak back onto the bridge where he killed himself to scatter his ashes through the hole he left behind. Is this the right place, Mom asks, when we've already thrown half the dust? Where else? I'm holding a fistful of my father in a gloved hand. The ashes are coarse and gray, and Mom told me they taste of metal and eggs. She said she felt compelled to consume a small amount. I didn't ask questions. I don't know, she says. You can let that go. I empty my hand, but some ashes stick to the wet suede. Mom says they are called cremains. They shouldn't make portmanteaus for stuff like this, I think. What they should do is find a way to make this powder smell like the person it came from, like bar soap and hidden chocolates. The mortician put the remains in a large square tin and covered them with loose cotton, like a bottle of aspirin. I thought it was a nice touch. It reminded me of the rabbit holes we used to find in the backyard as kids, covered over with the mamas down. Dad would poke at the cottony fluff, using a stick, so we could get a peek at the bunnies, small as hamsters and blind, all curled together for warmth. 
Dad would hold the barrier back for a moment, warning us not to touch anything and leave a scent behind or the mama rabbit would abandon her babies and they'd starve to death. Then he'd drop it gently. The cotton would fall and the bunnies would disappear, safe, ready for the mama to come home to them. We finished the work in silence. There is more to spread than I anticipated. I imagined one elegant, sweeping gesture, but we have to return over and over to the supply until it becomes rote, a chore. Somewhere in the middle, it strikes me as funny. I laugh and mom laughs too, neither of us acknowledging the joke. And then at the end, it's sad again. At the end, when there's only a little powder left in the plastic lining, and mom shakes it feebly over the jagged wooden posts, I can tell we're both thinking how small it all feels, the end of a person. Why do you think he did it? Mom asks. He was depressed, I say, you know that. He hadn't been himself for a long time. I guess not, she says. Maybe I should have known he might. He had never tried before, I don't think. She pauses. The date makes sense, the anniversary. That's funny. I say. We're out of ashes, so I peel off my soiled gloves and throw them down into the river. That's the part I understand the least. I can't imagine him wanting to steal Angie's thunder. I shake my head. That's putting it wrong. Let's get into the car, Mom says. This damp will chill your bones. She stares out over the bridge. She's not looking down into the shallows where his car fell, but out. Out towards the place where the river turns black in the shadow of the narrowing trees where it snakes out of sight, the last part visible to the eye. This is a beautiful place, isn't it? Through my sunglasses, everything is cast in gray. Sky, trees, river like an artery of tar. Sure, I say, and I turn my parka into an umbrella, holding it above both our heads so we can run back to the car together. Soon it will be April, and then May, and then summer, and then for a moment this place will be briefly beautiful. I can imagine it for her. Anyways, she says when we're ten minutes into the drive home, we haven't spoken since the bridge, I'm not surprised with his obsession. What obsession? The little I could gather. Angie? All his theories. He was still doing that private detective stuff, I say, feigning incredulity, even though I knew it was for his sake that we never acknowledged she was dead. At some point, we tacitly agreed to not ask and not tell. We settled on treating him like a mental patient, and he settled on treating us like apostates. I guess he finally gave up, Mom says. This is Something Rather Than Nothing 